Righto team, this show happens because of Cornerstone Business Solutions. If you've got a whole lot of process-driven tasks that you're just not getting done, or maybe you're doing them yourself, then think about getting a virtual assistant, a VA, through Cornerstone. Book a discovery call with owner David Warren now or after the show on 0290836689. And we are also made possible thanks to the Key Person of Influence program, whose New York Times bestseller will show you, here we go, you ready? How to perfect your pitch, get your book written, create a product ecosystem, raise your profile, and partner with high performers. How's that? Get a free hard copy of their New York Times bestseller delivered to your door for free over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. Now, I've been podcasting since 2010, 350 episodes down the track, and I feel ready to share my thoughts and answer your pressing questions on this amazing medium. So, that's exactly what you and I are going to do right now. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim Reed. And welcome back to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I'm your host, Tim Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner. And guess what? You're ready to crank out some fantastic marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. If it's your first time round, we welcome you with open arms. If it's your 351st time round, thanks for coming back. Love your work. And by the way, a big thank you to Lockie Dolly for that wonderful intro song that you just heard. We're going to talk about that and a lot of other things in regarding in regards to podcasting in this episode because it's a big show today. I am going to completely share all my thoughts and answer all your questions on all things podcasting. Yeah, I reached out to you. I said, what questions have you got about podcasting? And you told me. So I'm going to answer them. I share another low-cost marketing idea in What Have You Got to Lose? Today's idea is a sneaky little email hack. And we go back into the small business big marketing vault, revisiting a past episode where you and I, possibly you and I, if you were around, caught up with the maker of America's Best Sandwich. Yeah. It's a few years ago, that episode. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. I had a little chuckle then when I mentioned Small Business Big Marketing's HQ because if you could see it right now, you would laugh. I'll explain what I mean by that and where I'm recording from later in the show, but I'll also put a photo in the show notes to this episode. It's not uh, as salubrious as you may think. Now, as I said, I am going to take you inside my thoughts on podcasting and answer your questions on podcasting. I reached out to members of the Small Business Big Marketing Club, and I also put it on the Small Business Big Marketing's Facebook page and said, hey, what do you want to know? I will give you my best answer on any podcasting question you have, and that's what I'm going to do with you now. Before I do that, I just want to kick things off with 10 things that I just want you to know about podcasting, right? They're in no particular order. It's just kind of 10 things that were top of mind as I as I put this episode together. Number one, podcasting is so insanely effective at growing your personal and business brand, Right? It just is. Like I hear people say, why would I podcast? Well, that's why. What it's done for my business and my personal brand, you know, like I'm sort of left speechless, although that's not possible because I do love a yarn. But, um, you know, 
It's allowed me to add additional revenue streams to my business, like coaching, speaking. I've now got the Small Business Big Marketing Club, um, IMC uh, conferences. This show now has has had sponsors for a number of years. I'm now on all Virgin Australia flights, ex-Australia, domestic and international. Uh, it's just been... <laughs> incredible at growing so many aspects of my business and and adding additional revenue streams to my business. So don't discount podcasting. By the end of this episode, I don't think you will. (laughs) Hopefully every single one of you, all however many thousands of you are listening, will be off podcasting. That'd be pretty cool. The second thing I'd like you to know is podcasting is growing exponentially. It's 10 years old as a medium. iTunes, which is the biggest directory of podcasts in the world, which uh, they list about 75% of all podcasts, have 325,000 shows uh, on their books. They had 10 billion listens in 2016. That's 10 billion downloads of episodes from iTunes in 2016. Um, Podcasting is now available on Spotify for some podcasts. I mean, this is a growing medium. But here's the thing, guys. Don't think the boat has left the shore. Don't think, oh, with those numbers, it's too late to get involved. It's not. You just got to do it better than the next person. And therein lies the creative challenge, right? That's all. Don't be be scared of that. Be inspired by that. Be motivated by the fact that podcasting is a great medium. There's lots out there. And you've just, if you want to produce one, you've just got to do it better than the next person in your industry or category, right? Third thing I want you to know, many complicate it. Yeah, like they just kind of, like a lot of modern marketing, people think it's complicated. Podcasting is way easier than you think. I'll get into questions around technology, software, hardware, process, all that later. But remove that limiting belief that podcasting is complicated. I'm big on mindsets and I believe that if you have the right mindset about any of this modern marketing, that everything else falls into place. Fourth thing I want you to know, there's some amazing shows out there. I mean, I just get blown away by podcasting, not only as a podcaster. I mean, I get blown away by the fact that I've got my own show eight years down the track and I'm like, I can't believe it. I can't believe I've got my own show. I can't believe that any business owner, you, you can have your own show. That's, that's just incredible. Uh, there's some uh, stuff that I'm listening to at the moment. I love Here's the Thing, Alec Baldwin's podcast. I love how I built this, a podcast in which um, a guy, his name, Guy Roz, I think his name is, could be wrong, but he interviews amazing business owners. Not as amazing as come on this show, but uh, wonderful. Actually, they are. They're like Instagram and, um, you know, Airbnb and Patagonia, the owners, the founders of those those amazing businesses. Um, I love Green Guide Letters. Hilarious. I love uh, some of the crime. I mean, what, what I love about podcasting is that there is a show out there, no matter what your topic of interest, someone somewhere in the world will be creating it. And it's free. You know, it's incredible. Forget radio, forget TV, podcasting, guys. The fifth thing I'd like you to know, there's a lot of different formats. People think that interviewing is like the key format for doing a show. It's not. There's lots of different ways you could structure a show. You can do interviews. You could do opinion pieces. You get up on your soapbox and share your opinion in each episode of your show. You could do a and a uh, you could have a co-host, someone who shares differing views to you. That makes for interesting listening. Or you can com- you could answer listener questions. You could combine all different aspects of all different parts of those formats, uh, like I do in this show. And I sort of see this show as a bit of a magazine-style show where I've got an interview. Sometimes I answer, answer a listener question. I have a segment called "What Have You Got to Lose," where I share a low-cost marketing idea. Um, I share an opinion, all that type of stuff. So there's lots of different formats, not just interviews. Too many people fall into the the interview kind of format, and. Um, and neglect the other ones. Sixth thing I'd love you to know, acoustics, audio, quality is critical. 
like really, really critical? Because as, as listening to a podcast, generally right now I'm probably competing with road noise, uh, noise in the train, noise in the gym. You might be walking along the street. There's a lot of ambient noise that I'm competing with as a podcaster, so I've got to make sure my acoustic is pretty good. Now, <laughs> right now, I know my acoustic uh, and audio quality isn't as good as it could be. Is because I'm podcasting from the bungalow down in my beach house and it's because I'm on holiday and because it's the only place I could do it. Um, I've got it to the point where I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, I will talk about the setup a little bit more later. As I said, I'll put an episode in the show notes, but put it this way. It includes um, pillows, a doona um, and an old beach house bungalow. There you go. But it is important to get your, your acoustic quality right and I'll talk about a equipment later. Seventh thing, seventh thing I'd love you to know, uh, you, you can do them from anywhere. I mean, I have podcasts. You don't need a studio, right? Limiting belief, oh, I need a, I need a soundproof radio-style studio. That'd be cool. And when I started this show all those years ago, I did do it out of um, a radio studio. But that had its limitations. It was fantastic at the same time. But you can podcast from anywhere. Places I've done this show from, uh, my office, um, a closet, <laughs> yeah, inside a wardrobe, uh, sitting on the beach on a Fijian island. Uh, that was episode like, oh, what was it? 250 or something, the, the Marketing Crazies episode. I've done it in hotel rooms. I've done it a lot of episodes in my car. Fantastic acoustic in my car. You can do a podcast from anywhere. Don't be limited by the fact that you think you need a soundproof room. Eighth thing I'd love you to know before we get stuck into your questions, don't judge success on audience interaction. (laughs) Yeah. If you do a podcast and you are going to measure its success by how many comments you get left in the show notes, how many likes you get on Facebook, um, how many listener reviews you get on iTunes, you're going to be bitterly disappointed. Now, I know I ask for uh, you to leave comments in the show notes all the time. I know you're not going to, so I've got to like, why do I keep asking? But I get the fact that most people listening to a podcast are out and about in the gym, on the train, in the car, walking the dog, in bed. I get it. So it's hard to leave a comment in the show notes. It's hard to push like on Facebook. I understand all that. Uh, it hurts a little bit, yeah. I'd love to hear from more of you guys. I know there's thousands and thousands of you out there, but it just seems to be the nature of podcasting. And I've looked at some of the really big podcasts out there, and they too are not getting that that engagement. So move on, Timbo. Um, evaluate the success of your podcast by other means. And it's a question I get from a listener. I'll go into more detail later. The ninth thing I'd like you to know, there's different ways to monetize your show. Uh, Okay, so... When I first started out, um, I thought, day one, I'm going to get a sponsor and, you know, we'll be off to the goldfields. But it doesn't happen that way. Um, You've got to build an audience first. But in terms of making money from doing a podcast, um, here's some ways. Sponsorship, your own product, selling your own product, uh, inquiry to exi- to your, into your existing business. I mean, that's, you know, that's gold. Imagine if you could start a, if you started a podcast and all of a sudden the phone started ringing more often, right? Love that. Um, it'll force you to add new revenue streams to your business as people want more of you. So there's lots of different ways to monetize your show. More on that later. Um, and the 10th thing, before we get stuck into your questions, my show, I think, and I get asked this a lot, why is your show successful? I think it's because I mix education with entertainment, right? And I've stuck at it. So I found my intersection between educating you guys to create better marketing and I do it in a way that I hope, (laughs) some would argue, I know you're sick of the dad jokes. I can't help that. I'm a dad. Yeah. Uh, But I do it in an entertaining way, in an engaging way. That doesn't mean you have to have a belly laugh. You don't have to be a stand-up comedian to do a podcast. But, you know, there's some great marketing podcasts out there, but sometimes they're delivered in a dry way that doesn't make for interesting listening. And I think the success of this show has come from the the, the delivery, um, the quality of my guests, and the way I interrogate my guests sometimes and get the best out of them. And that just comes with practice, right? 
Curiosity for me has been a winning component of my interviewing. Um, and, and just that last bit is consistency. I've stuck at producing a show every Tuesday. I put out a show week in, week out, rain, hail or shine, <laughs> although the weather doesn't affect podcasting whatsoever. So there you go, 10 things I want you to know. Uh, let's get stuck now into your questions. So, First thing I did was reach out to members of the Small Business Big Marketing Club because you guys get priority. I love you guys. You have chosen to um, get into a little bit of personal development, a little bit of marketing development by being a member, and for that, I am eternally grateful. Everyone else, if you want to join, head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com or head over to crankmymarketing.com and you'll go straight to the sign-up page. Okay. Ben Mignatoli, Benny, long time forum member, got a few questions here. First of all, how far ahead do you normally pre-record your episodes? Um, At any one time, I like to have three or four interviews in the can, which means three or four weeks worth of podcasts. Um, And then what I do is I create uh, the rest of the episode on a weekly basis. So, for example, um, if I've got I've got an interview next week ready um, early next uh, for Tuesday week. Okay, so about ten days away. Um, early next week, I will then uh, do the other bits. I'll do the "What Have You Got to Lose" segment. I'll do the intro. I'll do the guest intro and all those other bits of audio that you hear around my interview. So, three or four weeks ahead with in, in, uh, with interviews, Ben, and then uh, weekly based on the rest of the episode. Next question is, what do you think will change from the way podcasts are recorded, listened to and found in the next five to ten years? Oh, wow. I don't know what's going to happen in the next five to ten weeks, Benny. Uh, you know what? There'll be new gadgets. There'll be better microphones. There'll be whiz-bang stuff come along, but they're bright, shiny objects. The thing is, the fundamentals remain the same. You know, get clear on what your show's about, deliver it in a consistent way that resonates with your audience. All those things, all those marketing fundamentals, no matter what you're producing, whether it's a a, a podcast or a blog or a video or whatever it is, they remain unchanged. I do hope someone invents a podcast app that makes it a hell of a lot easier for the masses to find podcasts, to download them and to interact with the the show's host. That's what I do hope hope happens in the next few years, next few months, next few weeks. Next question from Ben. What is your strike rate of guests you have asked to be on the show to the ones that do turn up? Um, So uh, I have very few, uh, every guest turns up. Um, I've had maybe in my podcasting career about five people say thanks but no thanks. Lots of people say, you know, do you have trouble getting guests? Here's the thing, guys. People love to talk about themselves. So if you ring up and say, can I interview you, chances are people are going to say yes. They might want to know some details, of course, but my strike rate is very high with guests saying yes, Ben, and showing up. How many on average shows do you do per year that are not up to your high standards? It's a great question. There's very few shows that I do that don't find their way onto iTunes. Um, The ones that don't, I post to the forum, and I've only posted two interviews to the forum this uh, last 12 months to the Small Business Big Marketing Club in these last 12 months that I I wasn't willing to go live with on iTunes to the big wide world. Um, So uh, in terms of shows that I put out, you know, there are are some episodes that I know are just better than others, (laughs) but that's reality, you know. Um, but I put a lot of effort into making sure each episode is as good as it could be. And, and you know, so I should because you guys are, are giving me your valuable time and for that I respect it hugely. Benny says, if you could go back seven years to when you first started, what advice would you give yourself about podcasting? Um, what advice would I give myself? I, I would say don't try and monetize it so quickly. Spend time building your audience and... Um, 
and leverage that as much as you can. I think earlier on I would have spent more time finding partners, Ben, that would have allowed me to get leverage, you know, finding chambers of commerce, finding, you know, airlines, finding anyone who has a large audience of small business owners that would be willing to share this show out so I could build the audience quickly or or quicker, I should say. Um, That's what I'd do differently. Um, of the podcasts you listen to, how many do you find yourself compared to how many people recommend to you? I find them all myself. Um, I just, I'm, I'm constantly just um, sniffing through iTunes. I love going to the podcast section of iTunes, looking at all the different categories because there are a lot of categories from comedy to arts, business, marketing, lifestyle, you know, a huge amount of categories and just finding different shows. It's exciting. Every now and then you find one, you go, wow, why didn't I find this earlier? And Ben's last question, how many podcast requests in which another podcaster is asking to interview you do you decline each year? Well, um, first of all, you've heard me talk about it. I talk about it inside the forum. I tell you guys who listen to this show, get interviews on podcasts. It's a great way to build your personal brand, to articulate your message, to get your pitch right. It's just a good thing. Uh, It's good for SEO as well. Um, I don't knock back many interviews, Ben. Um, I don't seek a lot out and I probably do about 20 a year. All right, on other people's podcasts. Love it. You know, I love, again, that's great leverage, but I also, it's nice to be on the other end of the mic as well. Sean Sullivan. Seanus, another forum member, says, how do you put aside the limiting belief that you are not any good at it when starting out? Uh, get over it. This is my harsh advice there, Seanus. Put it, uh, simply put aside the limiting belief and start, right? Well, you, you just got to start. You know, um, I used to work with a wonderful and uh, a very famous AFL football player who's no longer with us. And he used to have this saying, he says, I I wasn't born in the middle of the MCG, you know, which basically meant he had to start somewhere. He he wasn't born on the biggest football ground in the world, AFL football ground in the world. He had to start somewhere and build up. And um, likewise, anything, you just got to get through the limiting belief that you're no good at it. Um, You will find... If you are good at it, and it doesn't, not everyone's going to be great at podcasting, but if you are good at it, you will start to get some feedback. You will get an iTunes review. You will get someone emailing you, say, hey, I found your show. I love it. And it'll give you a little, a little shiver up the spine and it'll keep you moving forward. You know, that's why you hear a lot of us podcasters asking for reviews on iTunes or, or leaving comments in the show notes. Like it helps our ratings. Sure, um, but, it, but it boosts our ego. And I don't mean that in a negative way, right? I just mean that, you know, when you do get that feedback and we all suffer from a little bit of, you know, imposter syndrome, oh, I shouldn't be podcasting, I'm not good enough to be podcasting, um, it is lovely to get feedback. We all love feedback. We all love a pat on the shoulder um, and uh, it's a good thing. So, Sean, um You know, some people say, I don't like the sound of my voice and this and that. And it's like, get over it. Just start, okay? And know that you are doing it with the intention of helping your audience, right? I always go into every episode that I do with the intention to improve your marketing. And with that comes my willingness to create show after show after show. Sean asks, how much does it really cost to put together a podcast? Great question. Nowhere near as much as you think, Sean. No limiting belief that podcasting costs thousands of dollars. Let me sort of break it down for you. Uh, And there are lots of different structures for software and hardware and all that, but let me give you one. You need a mic. A, A good mic, yeah, it's important. Go to the Apple Store and buy a Blue Yeti. It's a USB microphone that plugs in to your computer and you're away. No fancy settings, no fancy buttons, plug and play. I'm using one right now in my little shack down at the beach. You need a computer to record into. Um, I'm doing this on my MacBook Pro. You need a set of headphones. I have some that I got for free on a Virgin Airline. (laughs) Tight ass. Um, I do my interviews on Skype. That is free. I record those interviews using Skype 
Call Recorder. It's a piece of software. Um, I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. It is $29 US, and it's amazing. Records both sides of the conversation, punches it out in all different formats that you need. It's incredible. When I'm recording just myself, like I am right now, I'm not doing an interview, I use Audacity. Free piece of recording software, no fancy buttons, hit record, go for it. And then you have an editor. Daryl, my wonderful Daryl, is going to put this show together. And Daryl, someone like good like Daryl, will cost you, depending on the type of show, anywhere between 150 300 bucks an episode, okay? So you think about the value you can get into your business or personal brand having expended that amount of money, which isn't a lot. You got most of that stuff. You got the computer, you got the headphones and, you know, probably got Skype. Um, it's The ROI can be incredible. Now, there's lots of different ways you can structure your equipment and hardware. Go to your local audio shop, ask them. They can often complicate it though. Um, uh, or at your most basic, there are other ways of doing it. But I know that's a question down the track. So I'll come to the, you know, the the minimum viable product of podcasting shortly. Arne Betridge, another longtime forum member. Love your work, Arne. Thanks for this question, mate. You ask, if you have an idea for a podcast but don't know if it will get any audience, is it worth trying to because it adds another bit of rich media and therefore search engine optimization value or does a flop actually give you a negative score? Um, I don't think it'll give you a negative score. Um, a flop is a flop. I mean, Google don't know that, oh, that's an average podcast. Not going to, you know, I'm going to spank you in your rankings. But um, I think what you've got to do is you go and create a show. You do your research, you know. Um, and you, you've got um, a, a business that's about work and corporate uniforms. You know the problems that your clients and prospects have. You know the questions they're asking. You know what kind of information is going to resonate with them. If you create a show around that, you're halfway to creating something that's going to work. Your, your greatest challenge will be how you deliver that information and whether you're willing to do that on a consistent basis. But um, you talk about SEO in your question, Arne. It's great SEO. You know, podcasts rank very well. And as your podcast gets more popular, um, gets more visits to your website, gets more shares on social media, then whatever episode that podcast is about, the, the rankings for it are going to improve. So, for example, I've got a podcast about um, how to nail Pinterest for a small business. When someone Googles that, my show in Australia ranks really well, okay? Um, And over time, as you create shows about particular topics and put the effort into promoting them and build your listenership around them, Google will notice that and, and help improve your rankings. Mark Gascoigne, forum member, asks, Timbo, what would be the minimum requirements for software, equipment, etc., to start with? Okay, so I went through Sean with Sean, Mark, about um, the equipment um, that I'm using right now. And by the way, what I didn't say is at home in my home office, I have a much more expensive um, Shure microphone. But um, you don't need, I spent like 850, oh no, about 700 bucks on a radio quality mic that I use for most of my shows, but you don't need to do that. Um, Mark asks minimum kind of spend. Um, What I would say is that if you really wanted to, you know, use your smartphone. The iPhone comes with voice memo. Um, Android phones would come with something similar. Um, Plug in your headset that has the microphone attached, hit record on your voice memo application, and you're away. Now, I'm not suggesting that's going to give you best audio quality, and I I strongly believe that audio quality is, is so, so important. But you can start there, Mark. There's no reason why you can't. Do it in a quiet space, um, in a room that doesn't have hard surfaces like floorboards and lots of windows. Um, do it under a doona. I've done podcasts under a doona. I've done, done lots of things under a doona. Don't go there. Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, you can do it in a wardrobe on your iPhone, because, like in a walk-in wardrobe, because there's so many clothes hanging around. That's an incredibly soft environment. Um, Lots of different ways of doing it. Minimum viable product with podcasting, Mark, is to do it on your smartphone. 
All righty. Hey, before I tackle the podcasting questions posed by those of you who hit me up on Facebook, here's how to create more freedom in your business. This week saw the launch of an exclusive webinar series for members of the Small Business Big Marketing Club, of which I hope you are one. If you're not, it's not too late to join. I'll explain how later. Glenn Carlson, the founder of the Key Person of Influence program, joined us to explain the nine steps he uses to create highly profitable partnerships. Here he is talking about the all-important first step. Step one is what are you trying to get done, right? What is the thing that if you were to achieve that thing would create a transformational order of magnitude? And by the way, this event took us from uh, zero to over a million in revenue in our first year, a million in profit in two and a half years or so, just leveraging the strategy. But this was a starting point and I want to unpack it to prove you don't need stuff to start with because people now look at what we're doing and they go, oh, it's good for you because you've got the podcast and the brand and the events and the this and the that and the everything and the global business and whatever. Didn't have that at the start. Started with mm. zilch, right? And so in six years, um, we've built a you know 20 million plus global small business where, I don't know, 85% of all of our revenue uh, and major opportunities and the breakthroughs have come through this strategy. So I'm all in on it is what I'm saying. Step one, what are you trying to get done? What is that? big thing that would create the order of magnitude, the 10x breakthrough. And the the reason that I like 10x thinking is not only does it sound very cool and like it's something that's come out of Silicon Valley, which is very edgy right now, but it's often easier um, to pull off something big and exciting than something small and mediocre because no one wants to support or engage or get involved with something small and mediocre. It's like if you're looking to recruit a team member, and you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of run this dinky die, little small thing, and it's nothing much, and da-da-da. No one wants to support you or work with you or come and join that team for a, at a discount. Um, as opposed to people do want to work with a company, even if it's a small budding company with a great vision and a great uh, leader that's, you know, communicating that vision, et cetera. So, you know, uh, playing 10X often just makes everything a lot easier. So I th- and there's I mean that the wonderful quote shoot for the stars and land on the moon. So if you're running for 10x and you get 5x, yeah. Oh, I'm. I've recently eh? I've recently come across some thinking where I've changed my thinking around shoot for the stars and and you'll and you'll hit the moon. Oh, controversial. Uh, Glenn goes on to explain why he no longer agrees with that saying, plus he shares his other eight tried and tested steps in creating profitable partnerships. And I've got to tell you, it was 60 minutes of absolute marketing gold. And you can listen to the whole lot as often as you like by joining the Small Business Big Marketing Club over at crankmymarketing.com. It's just 67 bucks a month. And if you can't make that back plus multiples more each month, then I am doing something wrong. Do you find yourself spending way too much time working in your business? spending precious time on tasks that, as a business owner, you really should be getting others to do? Or maybe you find yourself paying way above the odds to get these tasks done. Things like data entry, inbound and outbound calling, social media, website and diary management, all those things that just take up time. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. The sooner you offload this work and expense, the sooner you can focus on building that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. And that's where Cornerstone steps in. Cornerstone is an Aussie-owned and run company based in the Philippines and are specialists in finding you full-time virtual assistance from as little as $8 an hour. The freedom this will create for you is unbelievable. As a Cornerstone client, Anna Davies said of her virtual assistant, and I quote, he's incredibly pleasant to work with. Having him in the team is excellent. I can't imagine how our lives were without him. End quote. So go ahead and book a no-obligation discovery call with Cornerstone today by calling 02-9083-6689 or visit cornerstonebusinesssolutions.com.au. I believe in them so much, 
I own part of the business. Okay, team, you enjoying it? I hope so. I hope I'm giving you some um, good insights into this wonderful medium called podcasting and uh, that I'm inspiring some of you to get off your bum and start your own podcast because, as I said earlier, the ship hasn't, hasn't left the shore. Now, coming up after I answer your remaining podcasting questions, I will share another very simple and effective marketing idea in that segment that I know you all love called What Have You Got To Lose? But let's get back to your questions. Mike Rhodes. Rhodesy. It's a good name for a microphone brand. Uh, He asks some great questions. How do I get started? He says, okay, well, you you know, I always say just start, but... What I want you to do, and I talk about this a lot in my book, The Boomerang Effect, and not a lot, but in detail, I want you to get clear on your editorial mission. Bit of a broken record on this one, but when you know what your editorial mission is for your podcast, it will help you decide what you podcast about and what topics you cover in your show. Three questions you need to answer to get clear on your editorial mission. What have you got to offer? to who and what outcome can they expect, all right? Once you know that, Mike, you will be amazed at the topics that come out of your editorial mission. My editorial mission is marketing tips and tricks for small service-based businesses to generate more inquiry. In me knowing that, it's really easy for me to put together episodes of this show, for me to write blog posts, for me to create the what have you got to lose segment. And, you know, so once you do that, Get clear on your editorial mission, write down the first 10 headlines for the first 10 episodes of your show, and if they flow relatively quickly, that should take you no more than 30 minutes, then you know you're onto something. Then just hit record on your mic, Mike. (laughs) See what I did there? Next question from Mike Rhodes, getting set up on iTunes. How do I do that? Well, you know what? You know how I said... It's not as complicated as you think. If you go to the podcasting section of the Apple iTunes store, on the right-hand side, there is a button, and guess what it says? Submit a podcast, and there's another button, how to podcast. (laughs) Who would have thought? Apple kindly step-by-step you through how to get a podcast set up in iTunes. Next question from Mike, who's got the best show, who's got the best how-to guide to get going? There's a wonderful podcast called Showrunner done by a couple of guys out of the States. It's all about podcasting and they have a great how-to guide. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 351. And I'd love you to leave a comment. (laughs) No, you won't though. Hey, uh, next question from Rhodesy, recording doesn't phase me. Good, nor should it. Got a good list of potential victims, tick, but I'm procrastinating because of the technical challenges or perceived ones. Mike, they are absolutely perceived challenges, okay? Here's the thing. I am not a technical person whatsoever. In fact, technology kind of freaks me out. So that's why, and I suggest you too, cash flow allowing, you get other people to do the heavy lifting, to do the editing, to do the uploading to uh, your, your website, to set you up on iTunes, to promote your show via the various channels, which I'll talk about later with another listener question. So put the technical stuff aside and focus on the content, Mike. And Mike, you know so much. I mean, Mike Rhodes is Australia's leading Google AdWords specialist. Mike, you know so much about what it is you do. Focus on creating great content around that and have other people do the heavy technical lifting, which is not that really that technical, but it's a time suck. I, I, I do put a lot of, um, I put a lot of effort into editing via Daryl. I really, really love how Daryl puts these shows together, makes them sound so professional, uh, and I think that's really important. I think there's a lot of podcasts out there that sound average, that sound amateur hour, Um, so having a good editor is good, but Mike, focus on the content, let others do the rest. Mark Evans asks, 
How do you go about planning and organising each show? Is there a process that you have in place that you follow each time? Yes, there is. I have a series, I have a Google document, first of all, Mark, and within that Google document, I have a number of headlines. The headlines are, um, they're not so much headlines, what would I call them? They're kind of just pointers for me to fill in. So I have a fronter, that little bit I talk about up the front, I have sponsor reads, I have my intro, I have my guest intro, I have my top three attention grabbers, I have uh, my what have you got to lose segment, and I have my outro. So there's all these things that I know I've got to cover in each episode because that's the structure of my show, and then I fill that Google document out each time, Mark, with what it is I'm going to share with you. It might be a script, it might be bullet points. It might be just little reminders of what it is I'm going to talk about. But that does two things. It keeps me on track with the episode. Um, It also forms a great guide for Daryl, my editor, to follow because I might put some edit points in there where I say, hey, Daz, you know, take out between 3 minutes 16 and 4 minutes 8 or whatever and just kind of – I don't do much editing like that, but it allows me to do that. The other thing that having this Google Doc allows is that Joe, Joey Winston, who very kindly puts my show notes together, um, I give him this document and that forms the basis of him creating the show notes. Okay. Now, no one's asked about show notes. Let me explain show notes. They're simply the notes that appear on the page of your website where that episode lives, right? So on my show notes, I have a summary of what I talk about. I have a a time code for the episode of what you'll find where, you know, I'll say at 14 minutes 18 interview, at 30 minutes 60, 30 minutes, 30 minutes 23, what have you got to lose, marketing. So I time code the episode. I share my top three attention grabbers, so I detail them in the show notes. Um, I put any links to resources that I mention in an episode. So that's what the show notes are about. And every podcast really needs to have show notes because that's what people can reference. It also has social sharing buttons where people, when they visit the show notes, generally will then go and share it on their Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever it may be. So, yeah, um, that's how I organise each show, Mark. You also ask, how do you reach out to guests via email, phone, uh, everything? Uh, Yesterday, I was at an event. There were two people speaking at that event. They were fantastic. I walked up to them afterwards, introduced myself. They've agreed to an interview next week. You know, so excited, so excited. Some people I reach out to by email. Some people I get connected with by phone. Some people email me asking to be interviewed on my show. So, you know, just there's lots of different ways that I reach out to guests, uh, just depending on where I come across them. Uh, Mac also asks, uh, no, sorry, Mark also asks, uh, that's all from Mark. Nick, Nick, what do you got? Where, <laughs> Nick Moran, mate, I know you've just had uh, some spinal surgery from memory. Something to do with your back anyway. You've been in a lot of pain and you've had your, your back up. You've been on your back now for weeks. So no wonder you had time to send me a question, mate. You ask, where do you get the majority of your podcast feedback from? How do you re- how do you know you have really engaged on a topic? Is it simply quantity of subscribers? Okay, okay. Majority of podcast feedback. I get it from a number of sources. I look at the reviews you guys are leaving me on iTunes. Right now, on the Australian iTunes store, I've got 355 listener reviews. I've read every one of them and I love them. So important to me to hear what you guys are thinking. I get emails from you often, some of you listeners, tim at timreed.com.au. I ask you to email me. Tell me what's on your mind, what's on your marketing mind. Uh, Social media, a lot of people hit me up there. And now, Nick, what I'm finding, and I speak at a lot of conferences, as you know, I've spoken at a conference for your business, I'm now I'm turning up to most conferences that I'm speaking at and people are coming up not not you know I'd say maybe 5% of in any one audience coming up and saying I listen to your show and I get just I'm, I get chuffed <laughs> I get chuffed I go all red and embarrassed no I don't I love it though um, how do you know when you've really engaged on a topic uh, you know 
uh, in your gut that you have, Nick. Um, it also gets shared um, wildly on social media, not virally, but you know, you'll get a few hundred shares on social media. Um, and you just know when you've hit the mark with something, it's not just the quantity of subscribers. I think it's the interaction and engagement you have with your audience. Jesse Green, Jess Green asks, how do you increase listenership in a tight niche? You, um, Tight, it doesn't matter whether it's a tight niche uh, or, or, or a, a big niche, a general niche. Um, you increase listenership first and foremost by creating an amazing show. Week after week, month after month, however often you are going to put a show out and set an expectation with your audience as to how often you will put a show out and then just create great content. What's that saying? The best marketing is a great product. It's the best product. The best podcast is a great podcast. It's not the one that has the best promotion behind it, although that's important. Focus, Jess, on creating an amazing show. Listen to what your competition are doing. Listen to some radio shows that are doing really good stuff. I mean, they're the professionals, not us. See what they're doing and learn and read and consume and ask questions and join forums like the Small Business Big Marketing Club and ask questions of me and never, ever stop learning. How do you distribute your podcast? Um, every episode, Jess, I I go Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, Pinterest. Um, don't do Instagram. We'll be starting Instagram shortly. Um, and I put it out there often on those channels each week. Um, I ask my guest to do the same. I email um, those who are on my email list. If you want to join my email list, smallbusinessbigmarketing.com is where you can do that. Um, I'm not going to spam you with stuff. I'm always going to email you helpful information. Um, uh, I have associations with some chambers of commerce that promote my shows, Jess, um, you know, the list goes on. But what I do do is that I go back to my website probably 20 times a day. And every time I go back into my website, I go back into the archive, into past shows. There's 350 sitting there as of today. And I might retweet or re-like or repost an old episode and breathe a bit of life back into it. Otherwise, it just gets buried by the new episodes. So you've got to market your marketing. Great questions, Jess. How you going, guys? We'd be good to take a breath. <sighs> okay, podcasting. I do love it. And clearly you love it because you're listening. Matt Collins got some questions. Thanks, Matt. He says, how do you source your guests? Well, it's a good question. When I see a business that interests me, um, I make contact with them. In flight magazines, I find there's often an interview with an interesting business owner. Um, I get emails from people, from listeners saying, hey, you should look at this business. They'd be worth interviewing. Um, and listeners, you guys know my show the best because you listen to it. So you know the kind of guests that fit. I have a criteria for my guests. You need to be a successful small business owner with an interesting story that's using marketing effectively to grow your business, right? That's that's the criteria. I'm not that interested in interviewing service providers like a marketing consultant or someone who's just kind of a service provider into small business. I'm more interested for this show in interviewing, you know, brick, bricks and mortar business owners, some online store business owners, and mixing it up that way. Um, I also source my guests from conferences that I get to speak at and meet other amazing people uh, and various ways like that, Matt. You also ask, at what point did you decide to look for advertisers? I think it was like 18, oh, no, I'm just going to say 18 months into it, 18, to two, 18 months to two years into it. When I first started, Matt, I said to a mate, a very wise friend, I've started a podcast, I'm going to get a sponsor, and I'm going to make a lot of money. And he very wisely, sagely said to me, how about you build an audience first and then go out to a sponsor? Because <laughs> right now, Timbo, no one's listening. Well, that was eight years ago, and his name was David, and I appreciate that advice, and I did do that. Uh, and then I went out and sought sponsorship because I didn't actually intend to monetize it. Um, 
I started the podcast with a friend, Luke. We did first 80 episodes with a co-host, Luke Moulton. Still a great mate. Loved doing it with Luke. You go back and have a listen to some of them. And we just did it because it was fun. Um, it was a hoot. Uh, we'd had a bit of a hit and a giggle. And it also was generating some inquiry into our into our businesses. So that was kind of cool. But at some point, I did go out and seek sponsorship. And in fact, Net Registry was my first sponsor. And I found them by going to a small business conference. They had a fantastic stand, the best stand at the conference. And I approached them, told them what I was about. And they became a sponsor for quite a number of years. Matt asks, what's the five-year plan with your podcast? Five years does my head in. I can't answer five-year questions. Um, I don't know whether I'll be doing it in five years' time. I might, but, gee, that's a long way off. Um, I don't really know what my five-year plan is. Right now, I intend to continue to create the best marketing podcast in Australia and compete with the best business and marketing podcasts in the world. Janish says... What is it like when you started? Did you ever want to throw in the towel? And what kept you going till the 300 plus episodes you've done now? Great question. What was it like when I started? It was exciting. And and I've maintained that excitement. Clearly, my old mate, Lukey, who dropped out at episode 80, he didn't maintain that excitement. It wasn't for him. I, I just knew that podcasting was my thing. You know, I love to chat. I love to share my knowledge. I love to help others, uh, particularly small business owners. And podcasting has been my vehicle for doing that. And I never, ever, ever forget that, Janish. It's always with me. I remind myself before I hit the record button and it sticks with me. And, you know, before I hit the record button, I have a little process where I think about you guys. I think about who you are, where you're at with your business how you view marketing, the stress and pressures that you're under, and I kind of develop that feeling of empathy. This is immediately before I hit record. I then take three deep breaths. Do it with me now. In through the nose. Out through the mouth. I do two more of them. I feel a little bit dizzy right now. Just puts oxygen in the brain, gets your thinking clearly, and then I hit record, right? That second question, do you ever want to throw in the towel? Yep. Yeah, I do. You know, there are some weeks where I go, I don't know if I've got it in me. I don't know whether I can step up to the plate and create another episode. But when I do, I'm reminded how much I love it. But we all get like that, right, at anything we do. I mean, maintaining momentum over hundreds of episodes can get a, it can be a little bit waning sometimes. Like I'm going off to the Philippines next week. I'm going to be away for two weeks. That pu- puts pressure on to create some episodes while I'm away. I've got to do these, got to do various things. I'm like, whew, okay, okay, we'll do that. We'll get through that. But, you know, you have your peaks and troughs. There's certainly more peaks than there are troughs. And the minute uh, there are more troughs than there are peaks, this show finishes, right? That's just how it is. But... I continue to um, be buoyed by the fact that I know this show's making a difference. Um, the emails that I get from some of you listeners telling me what this show's done for your business, you know, uh, they're gold. They are gold and they mean a lot to me. I keep every one of them. I read some of them on this show and, you know, they keep you going. Okay, Justin Getty. Justin, g'day, mate. Past forum member. I think you've got a podcast yourself around property from memory. How much time, energy, and money to invest to promote your podcast? I think I've covered that, although um, from a time point of view, I haven't covered time. I would say each episode of this show takes me, I'm going to say four hours all up, and that's finding guest, briefing guest, putting together the structure, uh, recording, um, putting together the show notes with Joe's help, um, writing up the structure for the show. I've covered that, promoting the show via social media, email, doing all that. I'd say about four hours. 
you know, I could probably do it in an hour if I want. No, I couldn't. I could probably do it in a couple of hours without planning. But, you know, I think planning's pretty important. Most of the time, you've often probably heard me say a lot of times that I don't do a lot of planning around some aspects of my business, but I do a lot of planning for each episode of my podcast. So that's uh, Justin's question around time energy. I covered money. And where do you focus that effort? Um, I focus that effort on delivery. I think about how am I going to deliver this message to you guys, you know? From an energy point of view, I try to be up, you know, like I'm an up guy, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, and I want to deliver that I want to deliver marketing information in a way that's going to engage you, put a smile on your dial, and have you thinking, "Wow, I feel inspired to market my business. So I put a lot of effort, Justin, into the way my content gets delivered. And I would argue that a lot of podcasters don't do that, right? They focus maybe on themselves. They're self-conscious. Oh, how do I sound? I like the sound of my voice and all this and all that. If they're interviewing someone, they're worried about the next question and not listening to what the guest is saying, right? So uh, good question, Justin. Frankie. Frankie Rock, how are you, buddy? What are your favourite monetization tips? I've covered monetization, but what I would say is that I think if you are wanting to monetize your podcast, first and foremost, think about what it is that you can sell of your own, right? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? As I say to people, with podcasting, you're either creating art or there is a commercial reality attached to your show. If you're creating art, you don't need a call to action. You don't need to monetize anything. Just merely create content that other people will love. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, if you are wanting a commercial outcome from your podcast, then monetize it. Have a call to action. Drive people somewhere to a product or a service or a sign-up page or thank a sponsor or whatever it is. But in terms of favorite monetization tips, Frankie, I do like the idea of first and foremost finding what it is that you can sell. Have you got an ebook? Have you got a coaching product? Have you got a real product? Have you got a tour? Have you got a course? Have you got what, what is it? And direct people to that because then you're getting 100% of the margin and you are not answering to anybody else but yourself. Brad Beer. Ah, oh, past guest Brad Beer. He has a podcast. Brad was on last week's show. He's the physio guy who's challenging the way physios charge. Brad asks, I host with Libsyn but want to move to Omni. Afraid it might feel like shifting accountants. Okay, so just to be clear here, guys, every podcast, the media file, the MP3 file, needs to live somewhere with a host. Um, Libsyn is a host. Omni is a host. Amazon S3. Blueberry. There's lots of podcast dedicated podcasting hosts. I love Omni. I use Omni. They've got a beautiful media player. They've got great analytics. They've, they are dedicated audio people. They are built for radio stations, but are wonderful helpers of us podcasters. And um, I would inc- I'll put a link in the show notes to Omni. Um, incredibly inexpensive and great customer service. Well, how's that for an ad for Omni? Um, moving from Libsyn or any other podcasting host into Omni again, is not as hard as you think, and the guys at Omni will help you do that. Um, it, it, it feels very scary when you're moving those precious files of past episodes across to a new host, but what I can say, Brad, is do it sooner rather than later because it only gets scarier for yourself as you add more episodes to your archive, okay? I'll put a link in the show notes to everything of all the resources I've mentioned in this episode over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 351. Last question uh, before I share a marketing idea unrelated to podcasting and what have you got to lose? This question is from the old mate, Benny Carvoso. Ben Carvoso. Wanted to roll the R's then, but I couldn't quite get it around to it. Oh, what's your question, matey? What do you wear when you podcast? See, I knew it couldn't be a serious question from Ben. What do you wear when you podcast? I heard you like to do the occasional show in your birthday suit. Do you mix it up a bit depending on your guests? Oh, he's a funny boy. Um, I'm going to try and answer this seriously. What I wear are clothes that aren't noisy. 
because you don't want things rustling. You don't want a parka. You don't wear a parka in winter, one of those big puffy jackets, because they make noise when you move. Um, You don't want things with bits of metal that might bang on the desk or whatever. So I wear quiet clothes. I wear comfortable clothes. Um, and I have done the occasional show in my birthday suit, just the one, actually not occasional, but my, uh, a wonderful supporter of this show, the guys over at Flying Solo, uh, a few years ago had work in the nude day. Yeah. That was a real day, work in the nude day. And um, so I did. I worked in the nude. And uh, it happened to be a day when I was producing an episode and uh, I took some photos of myself working in the nude, which did get posted to that episode, I think. But don't worry, the microphone was strategically placed. Do you catch my drift? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, microphone was bigger than... Yeah, don't even go there. So, Benny, silly question. Hey, guys, there you go. They are your podcast questions answered. I hope I covered everything for you. If I didn't, if you still have outstanding questions regarding this incredible medium, then go to the show notes, write your question there, and I will answer it. Even better... Join the Small Business Big Marketing Club over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and we have an entire section inside the forum in which we talk podcasting amongst all sorts of other marketing topics. So there you go. And if you do start a podcast, I would love to hear about it. Tim at timreid.com.au. It's time for one simple yet effective marketing idea that you can implement immediately. One that's not going to cost you a fortune that might just generate you more awareness, more inquiry, and ultimately more sales. And who doesn't want a bit of that? Today's idea is what I call my email later hack. As you build your business network, it's important to connect with the right people. That's obvious, right? The problem is the right people who can often help you the most also happen to be the ones who have the busiest schedules. As a result, phone calls and emails go unanswered, which can be a little frustrating to say the least. So if you've been having a hard time getting hold of important people lately, try scheduling your emails to be delivered at a time when you know the people you're trying to reach aren't as busy. I call this the old email later hack. So here's my three steps to making it work. And by the way, they're based on the assumption that your email service provider is Gmail. But don't worry if it's not, you could move across or I'm sure your email service provider will have something similar. Step number one, Go ahead and install Boomerang, a simple free plugin that enables you to take control of when you send and receive emails. Step two, schedule a test email to send to one of your other email addresses. This is to make sure Boomerang is working properly before creating a send later campaign for the heavy hitters you're keen to get hold of. Step three, If the test email you sent was delivered successfully, then it's time to create send later campaigns for the people you want to get hold of. And here's the pro tip. Really consider the best times to schedule these emails. They may well differ for each person you're trying to get hold of, although I find a good time is early morning, as my email will be near the top of the person's inbox when they start their day. Oh, And uh, be sure it includes an outrageously good headline. Spoken a lot about this in past episodes of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, and we'll do some more talking around email headlines in future episodes. As always, there'll be links in the show notes to any resources over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 351, including a link to Boomerang and a great resource called the Headline Analyzer Tool, which will help you write that outrageously good headline. If you'd like help implementing any of the ideas I share in this segment, and by the way, there's been quite a few, go ahead and join the Small Business Big Marketing Club over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com, where I personally support you on your marketing journey every day. 
So, what have you got to lose? Well, that almost wraps up another episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, but there is plenty of marketing gold coming your way in the weeks ahead. Boy, oh boy, have I locked in some amazing guests for you guys. Look out. Hey, way back in episode 104, I caught up with Tommy Nicolosi, a sixth-generation deli owner in downtown Philadelphia, who'd recently been awarded America's Best Sandwich by that crazy program on the Food Network called Man Vs. Food. I asked Tommy about some of the characters he'd served over the years. Yeah, uh, characters. Yeah, we, we 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 have some we have some characters that, that come into the market. There's um, a guy that used to come in, and um, he he used to have a um, um, a puppet which was a monkey on his hand, and um, he would walk up to the various counters when he shopped in the market, and and he would always speak through the monkey, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and never <laughs> and never talk to you himself. It was always the monkey that ordered. So. Uh, uh, yeah. So that, that was rather rather strange. And, and as the shopkeeper, did you uh, did you respond to the monkey or the man? Well, he responded to the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea, that. I think I might start doing this show through a made-up character, actually. I'm thinking llama. Or actually, no, I know. I'll do it through a sloth. <laughs> Got to love a sloth, don't you? You can listen to my full interview with Tommy over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com or subscribe free on iTunes. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes yet, please go ahead and do so. I would love you to do that. It's free. Hey, I'd love to hear from you too. Tim at timreid.com.au or hit me up on Twitter at Timbo Reed. And be sure to grab a free hard copy of the Key Person of Influence book over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. But, and I mean but, only if you want to become more visible, valued, and connected in your industry. And be sure to check out Cornerstone, because if the idea of a virtual assistant excites the hell out of you, and why wouldn't it, then they are going to change your business and personal world. You'll find them at cornerstonebusinesssolutions.com.au, or you can give them a buzz on 02-9083-6689 to book a discovery call with owner David Warren to see if they're right for you. Hey, if you love the Small Business Big Marketing Show, then go and pay it forward by letting another business owner know. I'd love you to do that. Until next week, I'm Timbo Reid. Always have been, always will be. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.